You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, I am so excited for episode 55 of The Music Room. Today I have Katie Minichi back on the show, as well as Carrie Nicholas and Tanya Lejeune from Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Carrie is in her 20th year of teaching elementary music, and Tanya is in her 25th year of teaching elementary music, and they both teach music in Colorado. You can find out more about Tanya and Carrie by going to musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com and clicking About Carrie and Tanya. And while you're there, make sure that you check out their podcast because it's a really great listen. In today's episode, Katie, Carrie, Tanya, and I all talk about our different teaching situations, so it's all about virtual and in-person teaching in the music room. You can find the show notes by going to www.mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash successes and challenges. Again, that's mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash successes and challenges. And you could also go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and simply click podcast to find it. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you went to iTunes and left a review so that other elementary music educators can find the podcast. And if you really enjoy the podcast, you could also text a music teacher friend and let them know. This is a little bit of a longer podcast episode than normal, but it was a wonderful conversation. So I hope you enjoy listening. I am so excited to have Katie, Carrie, and Tanya on this episode, which is episode 55. So today we are just going to have a conversation about everything that is going on in each of our schools and talk about our challenges and our successes. And we have a variety of experiences and kind of setups and situations. So first of all, hi to everybody. Hi. Hello. Okay. Well, so I will go ahead first. I Okay. So on my last podcast episode, which was episode 54, I did give kind of a background of what my situation looked like. I actually also talked about that in episode 53 with Katie. So I am 100% virtual. I am teaching students who are in what we call the Committed Distance Learning Program, which is all virtual. So the students will be virtual for at least one semester, and then they can sign up for another semester. So I'm teaching synchronously for half of the day and asynchronously for the other half of the day is kind of a brief synopsis of what I'm doing. So uh, Katie, go ahead and tell us about your situation. So you're in the same district, but I am teaching in person. About 30% of our students went CDL. So 70% of the population is doing a hybrid model, which is great. So most of my class sizes are between 5 and 14. Wow. My largest is 14, but those those classes of 5 are pretty glorious. Um, Typically, I would travel for the district, but this year, because of CDL, we shuffled a lot of our staff, and I'm able to be in one building, which is a godsend. I was supposed to be in three. So being able to be in one place has offered me a lot of comfort in coming back to school. Yeah, it's it's gone really well. Awesome. What about you, Carrie? So this year is my first year traveling between two schools in my 
district. I've never traveled before, so this is a new experience for me. Um, and we are doing long rotations to avoid any exposure issues. So I, we are doing two week rotations. So at my home school, I see the same group of kids for two weeks in a row every day. And then I go to my traveling school, see those kids for two weeks. And I come back to my home school, see the second set of kids there for two weeks. And then it starts all over again. Um, so that's new and different, just seeing the same kids every day for two weeks. Um, we actually have completed a rotation yet, so I haven't gotten the full experience of it, but I did see the same kids for three days in a row last week, and that was weird, but I'm getting used to it. Homeschool, we actually have a very high percentage who chose online learning. We had, I think the last I heard was like 55% of our students chose online learning. Wow. Wow. I get to do both because there really isn't a better way to cover that in my particular school. So I see the in-person kids. I have either three or four classes a day, depending on the rotations. And then I have a couple chunks of my day that's devoted to teaching the remote kids, but we're doing everything asynchronously just because it's too difficult. They're not expecting me to live stream anything, which is great. So I'm just pushing stuff out kind of like once a week. I push out like an actual lesson for them to do with some sort of a, something they return and then some choice activities that they can choose for the rest of their music time and my administrators are fine with that because they're just happy it's covered at this point because mm -hmm. we're become with the resources we have. And then in my traveling school, we have a much smaller percent online. I think there's only like 15 to 20%. So I see six classes a day there, pretty typical kindergarten through fifth grade classes. They're on the smaller side, which is good. I think at both of my schools, I never have a class larger than 20, but the class size is probably about an average of 15 which is big for COVID, so I'm dealing with that. But um, in general, that's not big. And then I do have one class of combined kinder first, second remote students, again, that I'm just sending stuff to them asynchronously at my traveling school. So it's a lot, <laughs> but we're, we're, wow. we're making it. And I listened to your most recent episode of Music Teacher Coffee Talk, and both uh, you and Tanya talked about specifically like how you're setting up your classrooms and that kind of thing. Am I right in remembering that you only have to have three feet between your students? Well, I mean, they're telling us as much as possible. There really isn't like a designated, you have to have this amount of space. They're just okay. saying, these are the amount of kids you have, make it work. Um, so for me in my classes, it's, a, it's about three to four feet of space between students in assigned spots. And then when the weather is nice, I plan to go outside as much as possible, but it snowed here last week. So I, <laughs> so I haven't been able to put that plan into action, but I do, like I have a designated time written into my lessons to pack up and go outside and finish the rest of the lesson outside. Hasn't happened yet. So I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants so far. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for filling <laughs> us in there. Um, and Tanya, what does your situation look like? Um, well, Carrie and I have very similar situations being from the same district. So the district recommendation is that we see the same groups of kids for two weeks in a row. And then we see the other group of kids. So I have three total groups of kids and I am traveling to a new school this year. I haven't been there. I'll be there after next week. Uh, so this past week, I saw the same group, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, all week long, which was kind of nice for continuity. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. I get to be in my music room, so I'm thankful that I am not on a cart. Early on, the district was saying that we were going to have to push into classrooms on a cart, but then they left it up to each building to decide based on their circumstances. My kindergarten class 
that I saw this week, 10 kids, which is wonderful. Fifth grade was supposed to be 20 and then it was 21 and now it's 24. So I'm a little bit, it makes me a little bit nervous. Social distancing has been a challenge throughout the school day. It is just, that is something that is really hard to maintain when you've got 24 bodies in the room. So I have tried to clear my room of most things. I've got Velcro dots on the, on the floor. Anyway, so that, that's a little bit stressful when I, but it's working so far. And when I go to the other school, it's an interesting situation because I'm only teaching three classes there. But in the morning, when I'm not teaching the kids at that school, I will be teaching virtually some of the remote kids from my home school. So I'm going to meet with a remote third grade every day synchronously. I'm going to Zoom with them. And then there's a kindergarten class that I'll meet with once a week and then asynchronous lessons. And we've recently taken on seeing a primary group from the second school that are remote. So we'll be doing like one or two asynchronous lessons with them. And then an intermediate group where we'll be sitting out one or two asynchronous lessons to them. And that's just... I don't know how that's going to go yet. My husband is dealing with that, being the art teacher. Uh, and there's been some Zoom issues. The district changed up Zoom the night before the second day of school. So that's caused some problems. It's caused some problems mostly in my household that my daughter has missed some virtual classes. And she's like, I was there. I was only one minute late. I don't know why I didn't get in. And anyway, so... That part is going to work it out, but um, thankfully, like Carrie said, I do not have to do in-person plus being synchronous with other kids. That I don't know how people do that. That's just above yes. and beyond. I just learned the, the name for that is called concurrent learning. Concurrent. I can think of another name for that, but, <laughs> but thankfully, yeah. we're not doing that. Yes, that sounds really complicated and crazy. So, so when you're teaching synchronously, that's just like, instead of teaching a in-person class, you're sitting down at your computer and you're teaching synchronously instead. Exactly. Okay, that is much yeah. better than having you do concurrently. Oh, yes. Yes. Wow. So yeah, four different situations in a, in a crazy time. So as far as what feels different, I thought we could talk about that. Carrie and Tanya both talked about seeing the same group of kids for like a longer chunk. And that's actually how my situation is set up. So with our committed distance learning program, instead of seeing kids like once a week or once every five days, which is what we typically do, I actually will see them for four weeks at a time, typically, unless there's a shorter week and then, then it might be like five weeks, but four weeks at a time. And then they cycle around to another special. So I really just see them for four weeks for the whole semester. And then I'll see them for another four weeks in the second semester. So lesson planning in that model is different, but it has been nice to see them every day. And really, because I think if I was trying to see, you know, over 800 students is probably what I would be teaching. If I was only seeing them once a week, I think especially teaching to a computer and seeing them as a little square on my screen, it would be really hard for me to get to know students' names. It's harder anyway, because I'm not seeing them in person, but I'm sure it's also hard for people who are teaching in person because they have a mask on. But anyway, I have liked that, but that is different. And then also just teaching to a computer screen. I'm sure, Tanya, since you've done some of that, 
it's just different. Like I have these signs that, that I made for, I'm showing it to all of you, but the people listening can't see the microphone, no microphone, you know, like I, I really have tried to go over like video conference behavior etiquette of what to do when, you know, and also kind of reading the room, reading the screen to see like someone needs, it has a question and, and also like singing with no mics on so I can have them sing, but I can't hear them unless we turn off our microphones and then it's kind of mass chaos because of the different, <laughs> the technology is not all the same. And so I made up a game called the unmuting game where every once in a while we'll unmute and we'll do something together. Like I, like with first grade, we did Grizzly Bear and I did the unmute game and they all got to, on the count of three, do their best Grizzly Bear roar. Or like vocal exploration is really fun to do with the mute button off because, <laughs> yeah. So that definitely, all those things have made it feel different. Katie, what about you? What has felt different to you? Well, I am in person. So masks are just unusual. And I, some, um, Experts will say not to be sarcastic or use humor in the classroom, but I think I do it lovingly. It's just part of who I am. And so a lot of my humor feels very confusing with a mask on because the kids can't see all of my face. I, I've had to be very careful. I, I think I'm missing proximity so much right now. Reading books with kids, I feel like that's one of my strengths. And there's there's no magic. It's hard to feel that magic in the room when we're all close together. You know, some of my transitions are lost because sometimes getting up and moving to a new space in the room or changing the formation of the room gives everyone a chance to get up and move and gives everyone a quick brain break. And without that, all being in one spot, right now it's just I have chairs for the older students, partially because we play some instruments, but um, really the only transition is stand up on your dot or sit down on your dot. And yeah, it just feels like some of that magic is lost. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Eileen, but I think a lot of my classroom management over the years has really been the connections that I've made with kids and my personality more than my ability to be tough. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to have some of that fun magic in the classroom, I think. That's been a big challenge. The other thing is that every day I figure out another spot in the room that I don't have a procedure for cleaning, like my railing when they're lining up. Like, oh man, they just cleaned everything in the room and now their hands are touching that railing. So um, just the cleaning aspect, I'm still adjusting. And you're cleaning kind of like at the end of each lesson, correct? Like the kids are so Yes. And our district has really encouraged us to let the kids help too, which I'm still not super comfortable with, but there's just no way around it because there isn't a break between classes. So at the end of class, like with two minutes left, I give every kid one of the, it's like a version of a Clorox wipe, but it's our district's approved cleaning product. I give each of them a wipe and they're supposed to wipe down their chair and their dot. Okay. I have been letting them wipe down the xylophones because I have those shower curtain covers on them and also the drums. Now, because we're all like first year teachers, the first day I had those shower caps on my drums and the first graders went, did you want me to take this off? <laughs> As they took it off. <laughs> so right now I don't have the shower <laughs> caps on my drums. 
I'm like, man, I'm such a rookie this year. Um, so the shower caps are off, but I, I checked in. Most of my drums are Remo. Actually, I think all of them are, and they're synthetic drum heads. So I've been letting them wipe them after they've wiped everything else. So they're already almost kind of dried out. And then if one of them looks particularly wet, I'll go over and take a little, you know, paper towel and make sure it gets dry. But yeah, just, just the level of procedure. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah it's an adjustment. Yeah. Tanya, what about you? What feels different? Oh, so many things. I really resonate with everything that Katie said, um, especially that sarcastic bit, Katie, because I, I feel like I'm also relating to students that way. And um, we can't see each other's face, facial expressions. And that really takes a level of communication away. Uh, that's, and that's very challenging. Last year, I was really embracing not being the sage on the stage. I was really embracing small groups, pair and share, talk about what you think, what, you know, reflect with your person next to you. Oh, now go and reflect with someone across the room. Now we're in groups of four. And I can't do that. And I, I have like a knee jerk guilt reaction all the time to my teaching. Like, like it's, it's like a part of my brain is stepped back and going, Oh my goodness, can you stop talking? Because, but I, you know, with the safety regulations, no, I can't have them reflect. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been trying to think of how I can make that work. Um, I have kids bringing in devices for every class because I want to make sure I'm including tech in nearly every lesson. This is for several reasons, because it's a good way for me to assess what they know without them singing, right? A little bit safer. And also I want to be prepared that if we go, if anybody has to stay home for 14 days, I want to make sure that they will still do the music stuff. And I think they're more likely to do that if they're already familiar, if they've already been using the Google Classroom or Seesaw. Uh, I've been easing into using instruments and we don't have wipes, Katie. We have a spray. It's a heavy mm -hmm. duty spray. And we've been instructed to not wipe, like spray, let it sit, it dries in 10 minutes. Uh, thankfully, we have 10 minutes in between classes. Oh, I, that's yeah, and so that's been a, a, a lifesaver, but it's kind of interesting because when the class exits the room, I kind of have this few seconds of like, oh my gosh, I, I have to spray this, but I should set this up. Oh, but I have to go to the bathroom. Like, what should I do first? <laughs> and it's like, oh, the stuff has to dry. That has to happen first. So I'm racing around, spraying down yep. stuff. I'm not using chairs. I, I went back and forth on that. I will start in clean chairs next week with older kids because we are going to be doing some drumming. So I haven't been spraying down chairs and I have not been spraying down the carpet because I just don't start going well. <laughs> I mean, uh, so yeah. Start. Yes. And I don't want, I don't know if you've ever experienced wet spots in the carpet and a class, class walks in and everybody freaks out. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that's just the reality of, <laughs> I don't want to cause that extra problem. And reading books, uh, as far as that goes, yeah, that I have stayed away from reading where it's me turning the pages. And I have bought a couple of Kindle books that I'm using the Kindle cloud reader and yeah. that has worked very well, but it's very different because in the last couple of years, I always have kids vote. Like, do you want me to show this on the doc camp or do you want to gather around and I'll read the book? And almost always they want to gather around and they want that close experience. So 
the biggest difference is I can't bring them close. I can't have them face each other. We can't make circles. We can't take hands. There's other things that we can do. I'm really trying to focus on all the things we can do, but you know, I've, I've worked so hard in my career to build up to this place where it's a learning community. And I feel like I've got to make it work differently now. Mm -hmm. Yes. What about you, Carrie? What feels different? Well, they basically stole all of my answers because being in person, yeah, it's all of those things. Um, I'll just add a few things to what they said. So talking and singing through a mask is really diff difficult vocally. Um, so one thing I invested in early on was one of those little like personal mic systems where you've got the little headset mic and then you got your little pack that you wear like on your belt loop or whatever. I call it my Britney Spears microphone because it's like Britney Spears circa, you know, 1999, like <laughs> the little headset. And that was weird to get used to at first and the kids thought it was weird, but it has saved my voice completely. I'm able to get through a day of teaching and, and we are allowed to do some singing, just not a ton, you know? So when I'm singing, I don't have to project through a mask because you've got the complication of not only are you singing and talking through a mask, but the kids are also spread out as far away from you as possible. So it's, if you have a large classroom, that's really hard. So that's been really great. Um, yeah, not making circles to play singing games especially in the beginning of the year like I have always intentionally put a singing game or a dance in my first lessons of the year where students have to touch hands where they have to join hands yes. because I want to get over that and I want to build that community in that physical way and just kind of make students understand this is what we do here and that's always been a very intentional practice of mine and now it's the complete opposite so now it's like okay how do I take all these games and all these dances and modify it for in your spot so lots of freeze dance kind of things elimination games where I'm just like pointing to the students with a pointer and then if they're the last one, they just sit down and finding something for them to do while they're sitting. Every day, it's like, oh, yeah, like I go to do something that I always do, you know, having taught for so long and go, wait a minute, I can't do that. So just those minor tweaks to, to those practices that are so ingrained in me. Like Katie said, I feel like I'm a first-year teacher all over again. And that's a good thing in a way because it's forcing me to maybe be a little more innovative. Um, yeah, and then just procedure stuff. Like Tanya said, I'm having students bring tech every day but then where do they put the tech? <laughs> like, I don't want them putting them in places in the room and having to move around the room. So I'm trying to get them in the habit of you come in, you sit on your spot and you just set your tech behind your back and you don't touch it. Well, yeah. How well is that going to work with, you know, and not even just kindergartners, like all the way through my fifth graders, they're like constantly grabbing their stuff. I'm like, just pretend like it's not there. So, you know, just right. all of their procedures, so much fun sarcastically, but we're, we're making <laughs> Yeah. So there has, been a lot that's different, but I was actually surprised in the first week of teaching virtually that some of it did feel the same, even though so much is different. Katie, what has felt the same to you? I think it's a really, it's still a joyful experience to be together and kids are still kids. I think they are handling all of these changes so much better than we are. I can't speak for everyone here, but better than I am. So even my daughter, you know, she's eight and this doesn't seem as jarring to her because she's had less life to live. So this is just like something that she's adjusting to. Whereas to me, it's like flipping me totally upside down. So seeing kids 
be mischievous is actually really helpful. I think it's, it's kind of like grounded me a little bit that they're still like little stinkers and cause trouble. And that sort of makes me feel more comfortable in a weird way that the kids, kids are still kids and they just need us to know that we care about them and they still really trust us, which is cool. You know, I, one of the things that saved my voice is that last year Aileen did embedded audio on her slides for her procedures. So this year I did that. And right now I'm still only six out of 10 days into my 37 introductions of myself. Mm-hmm. So having the embedded audio is so great. Um, but it's amazing. You know, I'll say to them, and again, this is where the sarcasm comes in. I tend to be self-deprecating and I always tell the kids that I'm a proud nerd, you know, and I said, you know, I've read all this research and I'm really pleased and excited that we have this connection to science right now. And the science says that if you sing without a mask, it's a big old mess. But if you put your mask on and it's covered from your nose to your chin, it's just like talking. And they all go, okay, well, we'll sing then. <laughs> you know, they still really seem to trust me, which I think is comforting. That's great. Uh, Carrie, what feels the same to you? Yeah, I mean, just the same, having kids come in the room, having that moment of kids walking in my room for the first time since the first week of March, you know, was, it was emotional. Oh my gosh. I mean, as stressed as I've been about going back to school, I truly missed them. And I know how much I need them and how much they need us. And I think this year more than ever, I feel like kids are really excited when they come in my classroom because they've been sitting in their desks all day, like literally (laughs) sitting in their desks all day. And they know that even though when they come in my room, they're going to be sitting on their spot. At least it's something different. It's a new environment. And for that, I am thankful that they're able to come into my classroom rather than me being on a cart. I was hesitant about that and not sure if what was best for kids or for me. But in an emotional level, I think it's definitely best for all of us that they get that change of pace. They get to come in my room and they get to just kind of forget what was happening in the classroom and just try with me to make some joyful music. And I've been focusing a lot on social emotional stuff after Tanya and I did the book club where we read music education and social emotional learning and putting that at the forefront of what I'm doing, especially this first week that I'm seeing each of my groups of kids and knowing that they're feeling the stress too, whether it's them actually feeling stressed or picking up on the stress from adults around them and that I'm trying to be very mindful. I've been doing mindful minutes at the beginning of class, so that's actually new for me, but what feels the same for me is just providing a level of comfort for kids through music and providing a safe space for them. Yeah, I, I've done mindful minute before too, completely inspired by Tanya, so thank you, Tanya. Yes, thank you, Tanya. Yeah. And I could see, especially now, that that would be a great thing to do because it's stressful for everyone right now, including kids. Tanya, what about you? What feels the same? Much of the same of what Carrie and Katie said. It's just seeing the kids, even with masks on, is just wonderful to have them in the room, um, to hear their voices, although sometimes it's hard to tell where the voice is coming from. That's one of my problems right now, (laughs) is that if I have... um, students sitting in front of me and someone is talking I hear this little voice and I'm like I I, somebody's speaking and I just don't know where it's coming from Um, but just having them in the room and getting to make music in a limited way but getting to make music with them that is the same because they are still 
they're still doing all the things. It's just that we're in a, in a different situation. Uh, so it's just been wonderful to see them in person again after so long of not seeing them. And I know these students at my homeschool, this is actually my 21st year at my homeschool. And I have seen these students who were in fifth grade since they were in kindergarten. And it's kind of crazy, but I have several now students who I taught their parents or one of their parents. Yeah, so that that kind of is mind-blowing. It makes you feel a little bit old, but in the same way, it's really lovely when a kindergartner's like, my mom said she loved music and she had you as, as her music teacher. And that's really, it's very sweet to hear that. Uh, so just, you know, the students being there and we're still all there to be there and we're still a community. And my school has been working very hard on maintaining that building of community. So you know, that feels the same and even maybe a little bit better because we know that we have to like make sure we're taking care of each other. Yes. You know, what's funny is what you said about not knowing where the voice is coming from. That happens virtually too. <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah. I'm, yeah. Yes, yeah I've that. had that too. Where you're like, yeah, yeah. or yeah. when you have a bunch of kids and you're like, who's not muted. I don't want to mute everybody because it might be a little rude, but somebody's eating oh, cereal. I use, I use mute all, all the time. I don't even think it's rude. <laughs> tell them I'm like okay well I'm gonna mute all everyone so you can hear me and then I'll do it because and the first few lessons like I would hit the mute all button and then one kid and it was of course the kid with like the noisiest background noise would <laughs> unmute as soon as I muted and then I would mute again and then they would unmute and then I would oh my goodness but oh yeah I've had that too like I had a little kid jamming out on his little guitar like a student guitar while uh -huh. we we're singing and he was unmuted and I just kept muting just him because uh -huh. Because we hear him and his guitar, and right. then he would have this puzzled look, and then he'd go and unmute again. And so it was like three or four times. I'm like, I'm not oh. going to stop singing to tell him, but I hope he gets the clue. Yes, and I think like some of the kids have parents at home that are working from home. So the parents are working from home, and they're on these phone calls for work. So it's, sometimes it's those kids that like keep unmuting themselves and then I'm hearing their parents' conversation for work and I'm like, okay, we're going to mute everybody so you can hear me. <laughs> so yeah, for me, a lot of what you said um, rings true for me as well. Just being able to see the kids, even though it's virtually and doing something joyful is so much fun. Just watching, you know, I always try to put a movement activity into each lesson and just seeing them dance joyfully and and sing joyfully, even though I'm not always actually hearing them sing. Sometimes I, I am, sometimes I'm not. That has been great. And also, like, I think because my role is teaching kids who are 100% virtual, I'm loving the fact that I can give them something. And I'm sure they're doing fun things with their classroom teacher, too. But just, like, variety to their day and to get them up and moving so that they're not just, like, sitting in front of a computer screen uh, the whole time. So in my last first grade lesson... I asked first graders what their favorite part of the week was. And I said, it could be about music. It could be about another subject. It could be something you did with your family. And I had this one class that just like busted out into, I love you. I love music class. It's so fun. And I had like all these kids unmuting themselves to tell me that. And I was like, oh. So, you know, instead of hugs, I'm getting yes, sentiments. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. What has been your biggest challenge? Who wants to take this one first? Oh, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, 
We did have two weeks of remote teaching district-wide. All the kids were doing remote teaching. Um, we as music teachers weren't necessarily asked to put out a lot because it was just difficult enough for the classroom teachers to get them all logged into their LMS, either Google Classroom or Seesaw or Schoology or whatever they're using. So we kind of just put out like a meet, meet your music, you know, your specials team slideshow for them to watch explaining our new schedule and that was that. So I had it in my head that when the kids walked in my class for the first time with their tech, that when I had them get onto my Google Classroom or Seesaw Classroom and had an assignment there for them to work on during class, they would be pros. Like they could get in there and they could do the thing and they would be so quick and it would be so easy and I wouldn't have to teach them tech. I could just teach them music and that totally bombed. I think a lot of my students did not do a lot during the remote learning period for a variety of reasons. We know that that's so, so many factors go into that. But I also think for a lot of kids that when they were doing remote learning, and I don't know if you're seeing this, Aileen, with any of your asynchronous stuff, I think that a lot of times it's the, the parents or grandparents or whoever's home with the child helps them get into it. Like they help them log on, they help them open the assignment, they read the directions to them, and then they say, okay, go. And the student might may or may not do the work and then the parent helps them submit at the end mm -hmm. so what I was seeing was like students they, they didn't know their password and their login information they didn't know how to click whatever they needed to click to open the assignment so that was a bit frustrating for me because I didn't allow enough time in my lesson to kind of do the tech piece I assumed very incorrectly that they would be able to do that so that took a long time um, but like Tanya said, I, I really wanted to get them on their tech as quickly as possible because I want them to be ready if we have to, if a cohort or even our entire school has to go into quarantine, I want them to be ready with their music stuff. So it was a struggle. It was, it's worth it in the end that it got done, but it was just a struggle to start the year with like that. Yeah, I actually had a similar challenge. I spent all of this time with Schoology, where that's our, our learning management system at Schoology, which is a similar purpose as Google Classroom. So I spent all this time putting together like pretty visuals and, and building it out so that it would look easy to get to, like accessible, people would know what to do. And I, I'm teaching only kindergarten through second grade this year. And the other music teacher, Ashley, was, who was also teaching that, like we kind of worked on it together. She had a animated Bitmoji video in her school. Of D. I didn't take it that far, but it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we kind of built our courses out similarly. And, um, and then, and I even sent an email to teachers, the teachers whose classes I had um, to teach live classes to first because like the first day of teaching some kids had a live music class so I sent classroom teachers that and I had so much confusion that the first couple of days like wait we have a live music class I mean I actually did have a decent amount of kids show up but they were confused about wait how do I get to that how do I get to my music course what do I click and I thought it was really self-explanatory but then I took another look at it and I thought okay I can actually tweak this and make it even more self-explanatory <laughs> um, and then I even so I did I tweaked that and then I made a walkthrough video and that helped too but that definitely was a challenge of getting a lot of emails from parents and from classroom teachers and also like teaching virtually I'm teaching all in the morning and then in the afternoon I'm working on like not just like uh, logging information for my asynchronous lessons, but also creating the asynchronous lessons, figuring out what I'm doing for my synchronous lessons, downloading videos um, that I've recorded because I'm recording all my lessons, then uploading those to Google Drive, then like waiting an hour because that's what you have to do, 
before they actually populate and then putting those into Schoology and then logging attendance. Like there's so much to do. And I, it's taken me a while. I'm kind of getting into a rhythm to figure out like, what's the best way to do this so that I am not just like clicking here, clicking there, clicking here, and then wasting a bunch of time because there's so much to do. So I don't know if that makes sense. Just trying to get into a rhythm of like what to do when so that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're finding a lot of like, oh, I didn't think of this, like surprises. Surprise. Mm -hmm. There's something I should be spending time on every day. I'm running into those a lot. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Anyone else have a challenge? I'm sure you have more than, not just one, but more than one. (laughs) Well, I I can go because I'm going to piggyback off of Carrie because she said a lot of those same, I have a lot of those same issues. Fitting everything in, I kind of have this checklist in my head. Well, and on my lesson plan, literally, like we will sing, we will do movement, we will, you know, talk to each other. And, and now I, we will do our assignment in Seesaw or in Google Classroom. And like Carrie was saying, when you have a technology, um, it takes up a lot more time than you think. So I spent like two class periods, almost in the entire time of these two class periods with kids just trying to log into the Seesaw classroom and I had preloaded them, but you don't think about, oh, they don't even know how to log into their Chromebook, right? So they come, the, the classroom teacher has like a stack of cards and each card has their the student name and their ID number and then their passcode. And I foolishly, not with first grade, but like with second grade, third grade, I just assume oh, they've been doing this like they had the spring. And even with first grade a little bit, I think I assumed a lot, but a um, August or September first grader is much different from a March first grader. So I was assuming things that they were not able to do. So it was a lot of, at one point, I put on some YouTube videos of like a book read. I put on Abby Yo-Yo and I'm like, I am just going to sit next. And yes, I was sitting next to kids. I'm on all fours on the floor next to a child with their curl book and just getting them in there. And I just underestimated how long it takes and so then I berate myself later because I'm like, oh my goodness, we didn't sing this. We didn't do this movement activity. We didn't do the book. So I'm just trying to be a lot more understanding of, of the situation. And I'm doing, I, I've been using Trello a lot, Aileen, Yay. Um, as inspired by you. And I am doing a lot of moving cards. Uh-huh. Okay, this was Tuesday, but it looks like now it's going to be Wednesday. Oh, yep. looks like now it's going to be Thursday. Uh-huh. So I'm very thankful. I've got all my activities on those cards. I'm just scooting them over like, okay, Grumpy Monkey book is not happening today. I guess maybe <laughs> it'll happen sometime. So it's just the fitting it in and just, I'm just very glad that I did not fool myself into thinking this will have to happen and, that, and that's kind of a, it's a good thing that I see kids several days in a row, because if it didn't happen today, it can happen tomorrow, even the next day. And it just has to be okay. It has to be okay. I think that's kind of the beauty of seeing them every day. So instead of being like, oh, this has to wait a week, this just waits until tomorrow. Yes, know? exactly. Yeah. Katie, what about you? What's your challenge? Well, first of all, all those things. That's why I wanted to give Tanya a chance to not be the last one. (laughs) Um, I think the majority of it is that I'm managing my own expectations of myself. 
trying not to let myself get stressed out, that they're not going to get the same experience. They're not getting the full show. <laughs> and that's okay. Even though I agree with Tanya, I try as much as I can not to be the sage on the stage. I'm just not giving them as much as I could be giving them. And so trying to balance sort of like the grieving process of that. And I am an anxious person. So it is in the back of my mind all the time. Well, we're in hybrid now. And just because I'm comfortable there doesn't mean that in a month we couldn't be all in, which is terrifying to me, or go back to virtual, which is not terrifying to me, but also I want to make sure that kids are prepared for that. So I focused on the upper grades, my three, four, fives, because I agree. I think if we were to go virtual, the K through two students will most likely have support from someone in their home. My three, four, fives should be able to handle the tech. And I'm fortunate in our district that threes and fours, those grade levels get double the music. So even though we're on this crazy 10-day rotation instead of a five-day, I'm still getting them twice. And instead of having a traveler this year because our sections went down, I am both classes, oh which God. is a blessing this year. So my second class is kind of becoming my tech year class. And so with my third and fourth grade classes, because I'm still in my first rotation, my first full one, um, I've had the third and fourth graders bring their Chromebook because we've all experienced, I think all of us here, that even though things look great on my end, I wanted to actually see in person live what they saw on their screen. And it was eye-opening because even one kid to another, they would have access denied, the other one got in right away, who knows why, and then you'd reload it and it would be fine. But I, I tried out embedding a Schoology assignment into like a Google assignment into their Schoology page so that when they opened it, it, it created a Google Doc for them and I had them respond to an essential question. So just to get them in the habit of being reflective in class and doing something that could be kind of open-ended so I could ask them to do more because if they go back all in, I'm thinking of it almost like a, a center that comes to you. I, in order to do any instruments, I would then have to split the room. So if half of the room was maybe working on their essential question or reflection piece, the other class could be playing an instrument, then we wipe it down and switch. Or if it's virtual, obviously the reflection piece would become more involved. I probably don't have to put that much pressure on myself already. I'm just thinking so far ahead that I'm trying to make sure all that's in place trying to put things in place that aren't happening yet, I guess. Does that make sense? Yes. I think <laughs> I, yes. Yeah, for sure. Like I, it took me a while to figure out exactly what my virtual situation would look like. But then like once I figured it out and I knew like, this is what we're doing. I know that's for the rest of the year. So I definitely have empathy for those of you who have done all of this work to figure out like, what does this look like right now? And then who knows what's going to happen in two weeks? That has to be. And we're in a politically pretty divisive district. We don't have very many moderates. We've got a lot of staff that are comfortable with what we're doing, myself included, would be very scared to go back all in. And we have a lot of stakeholders that think that we should have been all in from the beginning because they think this is overblown. So... 
that's a lot to manage too. For sure. And yeah. Aileen, I've yeah. already had have some admin conversations with, um, you know, my principals for things that have been said to me, even in the first 10 days of school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our area is very simple. We have very polarized political views and um, yeah. spills into, unfortunately, what's best for kids. Sometimes it's yeah. You know, that's the reality. So yeah, I think Tanya and I have talked about this and we've heard lots of people give this advice is that, you know, especially as Kodai inspired educators, we're all about the planning, the long-term planning, and then bring it in down to smaller chunks. And this year it's just not about the long-term planning. I mean, I caved and I did make a yearly plan, but it's <laughs> so generic. It's, it's the most generic general yearly plan I've ever seen myself make. That's awesome though. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've needed it for me. It gave me a sense of calm. And then it, I, I made it to, to the point where even if we did go remote again, I felt like I could still kind of stick to it a little bit. But anyways, yeah, I think that's just a whole new struggle, especially for those of us who are Kodai minded because we're mm -hmm. such planners and we can't yes. plan. Yes. The most difficult part for me, especially the summer is like, I waited a month not knowing whether I was going to be virtual. Oh man. And even when I did find out I was virtual, I, I at first thought I was going to be teaching K to five. And then a couple of weeks later found out it was K to two. So for me to try to plan when I really have no idea what that looks like, and I should have just like tried to not plan, but that's against my personality. <laughs> so it was challenging. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, uh... we have a staff member, a music teacher on our team that is still unassigned because she is currently on maternity leave and they are taking advantage of that and they just haven't assigned her because they don't know which way the wind's going to blow. Well, our district could use her because we need, we still have a number of positions that have not been filled. And Carrie and I have to have several conversations about the view from administration, not just principals, but from the rest of the administration. And I have said over and over again, like, I think that a lack of foresight is really happening because there's been several circumstances where I'm trying to see like long-term, oh, how is this going to play out? But it seems like the people in our district who are not actually teaching, they don't think this way. Like they don't think through, okay, and then what happens, right? So I have been the one, and I think I've just trusted, and I'm not saying that my administration is not trustworthy at all. I'm just saying, I think that you can't know unless you're doing it. And so when I bring up to, you know, a principal or an administrator or somebody and I go, okay, yeah, but then in four weeks, what happens when then? Oh, well, you know, we don't know yet. And I just, it kills me <laughs> because I just need to have, you know, somewhat of a plan and I have not made a long range your plan because it's stressing me out actually right at right now to, it's, yeah. to think about December is stressing me out. Um, so I'm just October. two weeks at a time, <laughs> two weeks at a time is what I'm doing. Yep. Totally understandable. All right. So I, let's end with some, even though this has, it's a very, very challenging situation for all of us. I think we should end it with some positivity and joy. So I'm going to like, I'm going to, pair two questions together. So the first question is, what's a song or activity that, that has worked really well for you? And then the second question is, what's the funniest thing that's happened? I'll go first because mine are related to each other. <laughs> so
So my favorite activity so far has been freeze dance. Watching 25 kids freeze dance in little squares on my screen is a joy to watch. Just, it really is. So I have, um, I downloaded these like Artie Almeida statue cards that are free and I can link to them in the show notes. And uh, I use Eric Chappelle's. He has all those CDs that are like music for creative dance that are really great CDs. And he has a track on each of those called Potpourri. And the Potpourri tracks have pauses in them. And they have different types of music. Like it'll have like, you know, a very graceful type of music. And then there'll be a pause. And then there'll be something that's more rambunctious. And then there's a pause and so on. So I put what the potpourri track on and I had these freeze dance cards that I held up every time they froze they had to freeze like one of the statues and it was like such a blast to watch and just to see like their faces light up with joy was great so I truly enjoyed that but the funniest thing that's happened has to do with freeze dance I had (laughs) one of my students uh, he was like this little tiny square on my screen And I kind of like leaned in to look. I was like, what is he holding? And I realized, I think it was like the thing that the Grim Reaper holds. Like, is that called a scythe? Yes. (laughs) Or something. What'd you say? Is that like a sickle? Is that what it's called? Yeah, a sickle or a scythe or something. I mean, I'm sure it was a toy one, but (laughs) it was like doing all of these movements with the sickle or whatever, and then freezing. And so I'm looking and like, what is he doing? What? Oh my goodness. And so during one of the pauses, I was like, Owen, can you please put that down? I don't want you to get hurt. Put away your weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Gives you some good insight to their family life, right? Why do you have that? Uh, I mean, the kid seems like a hoot, but yeah, I had to tell him to put it down. <laughs> And of course, okay, the funniest part is that like when I record each of these lessons and I record them so that like if someone misses the class, they can go back and watch it. So when I record it in Microsoft, we're using Microsoft Teams, instead of seeing all 25 squares or whatever, you only see four squares. You see me and then you see three other kids. You know that he was one of those squares that got recorded the whole time. So you can see him even bigger than what I saw him with. Of course. Yes. Yes. All right. Anyone else? Favorite activity? Funny things that happened? I got on this one. Okay. So, I mean, I think one of the things I love most, one of my my favorite moments so far has just been that I can give I can give real-time feedback to students as they are all playing an instrument. So when we've been able to do drumming and ukulele, I have enough for every kid. And it's not an overwhelming amount of noise. Even the kids have said, like, we're all playing and it doesn't hurt my ears. So the small class sizes are really cool. And then I can step in immediately and correct things where I'm not managing 25 little babes. I'm going to cheat and tell you two stories. One is about my classroom and one Aileen knows happened on the playground. So I did not witness it, but it's, it's worthy of sharing. Okay. So my first day of class with kindergarten, this was before we were even all back in. This was like a 15 minute quick, just get kids in a seat for contact tracing. And then they moved on to the next place. So um, I was only seeing the kids for a few minutes and we played a quick game of popcorn and so I was playing the sounds on the piano and the kids were, you know, popping. And I thought, you know, it would be a good chance to see if their masks would fall down. Well, sure enough, a little girl's little jean shorts just fell boop right down to the floor. 
And, and I said, oh, here I thought our masks would be the first thing to fall. And she did not even flinch. She just went, nope, it was my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. Um, so that was the one I witnessed, which was just, I mean, it was a, such a great icebreaker. You know, that first day you're, you're nervous about what it's going to look like and pants on the floor. So later that week, we had a second grader who is infamous in our building for just having like the best one-liners she was out at our recess and the art teacher and i had uh spray painted squares on the recess along the fence so that there are mask break areas where if the kid wants to take a break because they're outside we gave them like almost nine feet of space in between each one they can stand on a dot and take their mask off and take a break while well, she runs over and takes her mask off and puts it on the dot and runs away. And the teacher ran over and said, what are you doing? And she said, my mask is taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's just our already like the thing that gets us through the day. The whole staff has embraced this story because we all love this kiddo. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. One of the things that I did with the first graders and second graders is I was poking around on Seesaw, um, which is really, it's, it's awesome to look at all those activities in Seesaw because you can adapt them. And, and like Carrie was saying, one thing that I'm trying to have in every lesson is some kind of E-L- SEL, social emotional learning, in every class time. And I have not been 100% successful because, you know, th- some things just fall away when we're having too much time doing dealing with tech. So I was uh, poking around on Seesaw and I found this activity under social emotional learning connected to a book called My Heart Fills with Happiness. And it's a lovely book with beautiful illustrations. And the activity was, you know, the, the teacher has read the book to them and then the student draws on the template what fills their heart with happiness. So I found the book um, on the Kindle e-reader, which was great because I was able to make a video. And it's one of those books where it's a lot on the images and the text is very sparse. So it's like, my heart fills with happiness when I hold the hand of someone I love. And then there's this beautiful watercolor-like picture. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to make this into a song because we can. Uh, So I grabbed my guitar. I made a video at home of me singing and having this guitar. I used Loom, um, but it's not, no pictures of me. It's just the Kindle cloud reader, which was great because I tell you what, in the spring, I was taking PDFs of every page and I'd much rather slap down a few dollars for an iCloud, you know, we can read this on a screen. So I was able, I had to have my, my daughter turn the pages digitally, but I was able to record this song with this book. And then I was able to essentially just show it. And that's me reading the book in first and second grade. And then I connected to the activity in Seesaw where they drew what fills their heart with happiness. And then we can share out a little bit. But one of my favorite moments is I did not tell them when you make your picture. I said, if you want to record yourself 
describing your picture. That's awesome. But almost every single one of them were sitting there singing, my heart fills with happiness when I eat breakfast with my dad or whatever. Um, And I just, that was just a wonderful heartwarming moment because I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't even say you had to sing it. And they're just doing it. Maybe something last year stuck that they, you know, they heard the song and now they're just singing it. So that was uh, just, it kind of made me feel a lot better this week. Like, wow, maybe I, maybe some things get through to them, right? The fact that they're singing, I didn't even ask them to do that. Okay. So my, my funny thing is, is just short and, and sweet, but a little frightening. Kindergartners and masks. Oh my, kindergartners and masks. Um, I do have one student who has the perpetual wet spot right in the middle because they're chewing on it, right? Um, I have a couple of kindergartners who every time they speak to me, they pull down their mask. Like, I don't know, like they're at a drive-up window or something. (laughs) So there's lots of reminding, like, no, 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 leave it on. Um, It's okay. I can hear you, which I'm lying because I usually can't because they talk so quietly too. Um, But I think the biggest topper from kindergarten this week was – I looked over and have this little kiddo in the first row, really tiny boy, really big mask, but one loop of the mask is on one arm and the other loop is on the other arm like he's handcuffed. <laughs> and not, not on his wrist, but like up his arm, his mask, it's, he's turned it into like, I don't know, it, it was like a rubber band exercise thing and he's just playing with that. So those, they're, those moments, they're amusing, but they're a little frightening too. <laughs> They'll get it. It'll happen. It was, it was really day one. So there you go. Yeah. So um, I have been doing lots of books in my classroom as well. And there was a book that I bought. I bought it at Powell's Books in Portland when we were there for the Oak Conference. It's a beautiful picture book. I saw it on the sale rack. It's called The Book of Mistakes by Karina Lukin, I believe is how you'd pronounce her name. And nothing to do with music whatsoever. It shows um, a, somebody drawing a picture and they start with they're drawing a, a girl and one eye is bigger than the other. And then they try to fix that mistake and they make another mistake and then they add more and it becomes this beautiful involved piece of artwork. So obviously the moral is, you know, we make mistakes and we turn those mistakes into learning opportunities and we make something beautiful out of our mistakes. And, you know, I was twisting it with my fourth and fifth graders into, you know, that's what makes you, you, you know, we all have our individual things. We all have things we're good at. We all have things we struggle with, but we turn our mistakes into what makes us us. And that's what makes as beautiful as musicians and as people and you know got all woo woo with them and they were kind of looking at me like what is she saying but uh, <laughs> they they really liked the book and we were talking about it a lot and then I decided to experiment with Google Jamboard I've never used a Jamboard before so Jamboard's kind of like it's kind of like a Google Doc but you can do so much more with it because they can draw on it they can add sticky notes they can add text boxes can't record themselves from what I could see, but I've only played with it a little bit. But I really like that it gave them the opportunity to draw. And then the thing that you can do with Jamboard is you can either have them collaborate on one, which to me, we're not ready to do that yet. But in Google Classroom, you can make a copy of a Jamboard that you start for them, and it'll force a copy for each student the same way it does with Docs and all those other things. So I made a Jamboard for them, and I just basically drew a blob of nothingness in the middle of the page, like a little 
little circle-y scribble. And then I made a copy for each of them. And I said, okay, on this Jamboard now, I want you to take this mistake and I want you to turn it into a, a representation of you as a musician. And you can do it any way you want. You can draw, you can add text boxes. And it was just a really great moment of creativity because I was looking at what they did and I, I had the gamut. I had some kids who draw and, you know, drawing on a Chromebook is not easy. Some of them didn't like it. So I said, well, you don't have to draw, you know, like they can do image search in Google, which is a little scary and they can put their own images in there. So I just kind of let them, it was their, their time to just explore. But then I got some really beautiful answers about them as musicians, music they like to listen to, things that they like, things they don't like. I had a lot of kids who just said, I just don't feel like I'm a very good singer. And so, you know, that's something that I, I will kind of use that to spin off into future lessons about building confidence as a singer and as a musician. So anyways, it was a really lovely assignment and I was really happy with Jamboard. I thought it was a fun, creative tool for them to use. Can I ask a question about Jamboard? Because I've heard of it, but it looked like it was directly tied to Google Classroom. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Or is it something that people could use if they don't have Google Classroom? Because I don't have Google Classroom. Yeah, it's right. Just another, it's just another like Google extension. Like, okay, cool. Cool. I want to check it out. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would like do the whole force a copy for each student, but you could uh, definitely create a Jamboard and share the link for all students to collaborate on. Okay. If you I mean, like okay. I'm still learning, so I'm not a, an expert, but it worked well for this particular assignment. And Carrie, can you put it in a Google slide deck or is it like they have to go to it separately? They go to Jamboard. it separately the same way. Like if you're giving it to them through Google Classroom, it's just like, it, like a Google Doc. Like you make a copy for each student and it shows up like their name and then the Jamboard. So they click on it in Google Classroom and then it opens up. Awesome. Oh. Okay. Have students on a Chromebook, it'll just open up automatically. It, it worked really well. I was pleased. So my funny story then, unless there's more questions. <laughs> my funny story is similar to Tanya's. Second, I think it was our second day music, little kindergartner who's got a lot of personality, got him right in the front next to me, you know, proximity. And he <laughs> asks and he just starts picking his nose. And I'm like, not representative of kindergartners during COVID times. I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yes. It's fun. It's great when you see them go for the, the pick with the mask on. Oh, yeah. Like they yeah. Me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, it's, I, it's equivalent to, I don't know if you had in the past, because I see this every year, of the kid who holds their hand over their nose and picks their nose uh -huh. as if, well, you know. You don't see me doing this because my yeah, hand's there. Yeah. Well, you know, they're being polite. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is a little bit more polite than just doing it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for, for talking through all of that. That was, that was a great conversation. You want to talk about what we're consuming? Um, mine is not super fun, but it is what it is. We have actually decided to homeschool my youngest. She was doing virtual for three days. And I, I naively assumed that her virtual learning would look similar to the virtual learning in the district I teach in. The district I teach in, they decided to not have more than three hours of learning in front of a computer. Because of research, uh, you know. Because of research, yep. It's <laughs> because, appropriate. 
and um, in some synchronous and some asynchronous. And so I just went into this situation thinking like she should probably not go into school in person because she gets sick with absolutely everything. So we decided, okay, we're all virtual. And it was the first day she had six hours of synchronous class with a half hour break into half hour lunch into 10 minute breaks. Ugh, that's horrible. And then the second day, I mean, it was maybe slightly better, but I don't know, still at least five hours of synchronous. So very quickly, I realized this is not going to work for her. So we, we very hurriedly did some research. And so that's what I'm consuming. I'm consuming information about how to homeschool and buying a lot of language arts and math and science and social studies products on Teachers Pay Teachers. <laughs> And putting together, I have a whole Trello board for homeschooling where I'm putting together what we're going to do each week with her. Of course you do. (laughs) My husband and I I are working on it. Yeah. So that is what I'm consuming. Yeah. Because Aileen, you didn't have enough on your plate. I know. I I mean, to be fair, because that's actually the first thing when when I, after the first day of virtual learning, I said to my husband, maybe we should homeschool her. And he said, sweetheart, I don't think you need another thing on your plate. (laughs) I mean, he's going to help me, but he also knew this would be another thing on my plate. And after the second day, we came to the realization that this actually would be another thing on my plate, but then it would be taking off the whole synchronous for six hours. You know what I mean? Like, it's still something on my plate, but then we're not tied. You'd get your kid and your family back. I mean, yeah, we would have that flexibility. No, no, I can be happy after six hours of screen time. No. So, um, and I think this was a district decision from what I can gather, not something that the teacher, I think the teacher was doing what she was told to do. So, and, and I think that kind of goes back to what we talked about before that stakeholders sometimes have more of a say in what's happening in a child's education than what is best for a child. Yeah. So that's probably like a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> you can't, I was going to say anyone listening, you can't say us all vigorously nodding our heads to that. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll go. So this is not school related whatsoever, but it's bringing me calm within the storm. Um, I've been watching this show on Netflix called Get Organized with the Home Edit, and I've never heard of the Home Edit, but I guess they're very popular on the Instagram and all that. These two ladies who have this business for organizing and all this stuff, and it's totally my jam. And so they go into people's homes, and each episode's a nice combination because they do us, they help us celebrate which sometimes is obnoxious it's like really but it's kind of nice to see like that celebrities have messy class too you know um so they help a celebrity and then like a real family you know dealing with real things and oh it's so amazing I just want to just attack my whole house which is fairly organized but like I just want to like buy all the little containers and color code and label everything even more but even just watching it even though I'm not doing it to my own house just watching it helps me feel like a sense of calm and order (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I don't feel like I have that in other parts of my life. So I've been in- Carrie, I, I have to mention um, that I looked at that show and I was excited by it and I put it on and I sat down on the couch with my computer because I'm like, you know, I'll just tidy up some things here while I'm watching the show. So I saw it start and I fell asleep <laughs> and then I woke up and I saw the end. So I'm going to take your word for it and I'm going to try again. But yeah, I, I had a nice little nap to that show the other night. Which is also important. Yeah. I saw that come up in my Netflix feed because we were watching something in Netflix yesterday and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. So I'll have to check it out. I feel like Aileen, you would be all about it. Okay. 
I appear like I'm organized because I am organized with certain things. But when it comes to like my virtual classroom space right now, I have puppets strewn all over the floor in front of me. <laughs> and but who doesn't really? <laughs> and cups and my school computer. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. So I do need some help in that area. It's a good one. What about you, Katie? What are you consuming? This is totally unrelated to the professional world. Our, our Zen is gardener's world. We absolutely love Monty Don. It's a UK show that's been on forever and ever and ever. So that is kind of our get organized. But we recently watched the series Cobra Kai. Has anyone watched that? Yes. <laughs> right? So as a, as a like late 80s, 90s kid, man, it just speaks to my heart. My husband grew up loving the Karate Kid and they did such a good job of like using footage from the movies and the music is hilarious and like it is just so well done. And to see like the two leads as like 40 year old dads is just hilarious. I love that they got so many people back from the original movies. So it's so, like a kind of like a fast forward from Karate yeah. Kid like 20 years later. Oh, I have to watch that. I, yeah, you I should love it. Katie, I showed the Karate Kid to my um, my own children a few weeks ago. You know, it was one of those like, here's a movie that you have to see. And because I saw it so many times as a kid. It's a little problematic these days. <laughs> it's problematic. It is problematic. We started watching a little bit of it, and my, my daughter's young, but she was in the area, like in the vicinity. She wasn't even sitting down to watch it with us, and she was like, I don't want to watch this. And we were like, yeah, you probably don't want to watch this. <laughs> the show is just hilarious. So, I mean, maybe not with kids, but... <laughs> It keeps, they want to push it to me. Netflix is like, you want to watch Cobra Kai? I'm like, hold on, Netflix. Not yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> we first two episodes with my son, who's 11, and we watched the first Karate Kid with him, and he loved it. And I was like, this will be awesome. And the language is a little extreme. I mean, part of it's the, the character. You know, he just curses a lot. And my kid's like, it's fine, Mom. I know these words, but I don't use them. But still, my husband was looking at me like, what are we watching? So, I don't know gonna have them keep watching it because it, it's a lot but um i am enjoying it personally so yes, oh yeah watch it at like 10 o'clock at night okay. yeah yeah <laughs> jenna could watch it your high schooler could watch it okay well we've just re just recently we've noticed that like put macy to bed and then we come down and start watching something like we started watching the boys last night which is like a superhero show on i think it's amazon which is great but it's also pretty gory and um, definitely has some adult themes. Macy's been doing this thing lately where like she very quietly gets out of her room and just stands at the top of the landing. Oh no. Uh-huh. And, and it's just like, I'll just hear a tiny little noise and I'll turn around and look and be like, Macy. <laughs> so, and then it's like, oh my gosh, what did she see? Like, how long have you been standing there? Not very long. Well, I hope not. Get back to bed. I hope not. So we've decided that like before we put on any show, we just like need to turn around and look and make sure she's not standing there. <laughs> That's funny. Tanya, did you go? Did you? Oh, no, I did not. Mine's um, kind of, kind of geeky, but that's all right. So with my older students, I'm really trying to bring in some world music pedagogy. And my idea is that during our two weeks, 
I'm going to have us visit musically like one specific country. So I got myself a little overwhelmed about this idea because, you know, I, I have the world music pedagogy books and I'm like, I want to, I want to do it right. I want to follow their episodes that they have in there. And it was just so much planning. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to go with something that I kind of already know. Well, once upon a time, David Byrne, who is the lead singer of the Talking Heads, he put together a bunch of compilations of Brazilian music and like more modern, like rock and roll stars of Brazil music. And many years ago, when those compilations came out, I was very much into them. I listened to all of them quite a lot. The first is just a general compilation. The second one's all samba music. And so I know this music. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to go with something I know. So we are visiting, we, this past week, we were visiting music, mostly from those compilations, of like the rock stars of Brazil. And then next week, I plan to get a little bit more folksy and traditional with it, which is going to require a little more study on my part, but I like doing it. So my thing that I've been really consuming is that I've been revisiting, especially volume one of the David Byrne compilation called Brazil Volume One. It's just such beautiful, um, but also rocking music. And I've had a good time. It's been really nice to just like revisit this music and then to have my students right, get into it as well and have them, uh, we're going to be playing a drum pattern along with one of the songs. And so it's really nice when I can like bring my love of some specific songs like directly to my students. So that's just been awesome. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much to um, all of you for coming on the podcast today and talking through what your situations look like. I've learned a lot and it's, it's been good to talk to other people, even though we're not all in the same situation, just other people who get it. And I hope it's been helpful for those of you who are listening. And if you have not checked out the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast, you definitely need to do that. Tanya and Carrie have many, many, many awesome episodes all about elementary music education to their podcast in the show notes, but what is a website address for your podcast? It's musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. Awesome. So make sure to check that out. Thank you so much. I hope that you all have um, a wonderful year that's not too filled by stress and let's say filled more with joy than it is with stress. I like that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you uh, for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank uh, you. All right. Have a great day.